Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Blog Talk Radio. Tonight we'll go back in time to seasons past, when 22 men graced the rugged fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, one final score which would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight we'll explore the world of gridiron greats. Welcome to Gridiron Greats, football history and its memorabilia on the Gridiron Greats Publishing and Broadcasting Network, in conjunction with Swick Enterprises. We're live from the Wallingford Connected Home of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'm Bob Swick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats is the only publication in America focused upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover 140-plus years of football history and memorabilia, and you can find us on the web at GridironGreatsMagazine.com. It's at this time I'd like to introduce my co-host, a senior contributing writer Gridiron Greats Magazine, a football memorabilia historian, specializing in pre-World War II items, in particular Red Grange, and also Seattle Seahawk items, in particular Steve Larger. He hails from Portland, Oregon, Mr. Joe Squires, and waiting for Joe to call in. He'll be in in a few minutes, and until that time, I'd like to welcome everybody to our podcast for this evening couple points to make before and while we're waiting for Joe to come on. The NFL draft was uh, this past week, and as such, we saw some very interesting picks with regards to the uh, teams picking up players, so on and so forth. Very interesting to see who got it, but more interesting was seeing it on a – lack of better term, virtual uh, type of uh, draft where we saw individual individuals in their homes with regards to getting drafted, their talks, their stories, so on and so forth. Very interesting to watch, very interesting to see. The one thing I, I did have a good laugh about uh, was the uh, the looking at Patriots coach Bill Belichick and his uh, area of his home with his dog in front of his computer. That was quite funny to say the least. And uh, it added a lot of levity to the, to the actual uh, draft itself. I know a couple of people commented on it after me to me to afterwards to me saying about, uh, there was a great deal of personal touches, to say the least, with regards to the draft itself. So, therefore, it made for an interesting view, an interesting frame of the uh, draft itself. 
couple other points uh, to check, to uh, touch upon uh, while we're waiting for Joe. The, uh, the latest issue of Gridiron Greats Magazine was in the mail delivered, and a lot of people enjoyed our front cover, so on and so forth. And I think, and I think Joe's available now. Joe, are you there? I am. Bob, I apologize. I was. <laughs> I've got the uh, distractions going on with uh, working from home for COVID. All right, Joe's. Joe's here, and we're, we'll get started. A couple minutes into our program, Joe, how are you this this afternoon? I'm hectic. I apologize, Bob. I, <laughs> I literally. Uh, it's it's not funny. I don't like letting you down, but uh, yeah, no literally problem. the uh, no the working from home stuff. So, uh, doing good. Otherwise, yeah, just tracking a couple auctions that are coming down the pike. Uh, Heritage has a has a big one coming up that we talked about. Uh, you know, Mile High just opened one up, and then there's a Huggins and Scott one that's coming up pretty quick. Huggins, you know, is usually good for a couple of really good, uh, you know, esoteric items. So I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. Joe, are you there? Okay. Yeah, right. I'm here. Okay. You cut out for a second there. All right. Oh, yeah, I apologize. I apologize. It's, no problem. It's uh, going to be an interesting – it will be interesting to see uh, that auction coming up. But I was talked briefly about while I was uh, waiting for the – about the NFL draft, which was uh, virtually held over the past uh, week. And any any comments on that? Oh, I'll admit I watched it. The Seattle Seahawks, my team, they had a very low draft. I think I mentioned that to you in a in a text uh, yesterday. But uh, you know, it's hard to get excited when you're like the number twenty three draft. Uh, and I don't know if you saw that on one of the on the uh, the, the vintage football chat room we belong to. Somebody yeah. graded all of the yeah. drafts for the teams, and the Seahawks got a C. You know, and you're kind of shaking your head. I don't know. Did you follow the draft? Were you following along well, with Green Bay's pick? Yeah, I mean, I, I I was kind of shocked in a way of the first pick with Love as the quarterback. And now all the theories are coming out that, you know, Rodgers may have outstayed his welcome, yada, yada, yeah. yada. And then, you know, the, the other part, you know, Rodgers reached out to Love, welcoming on board, so on and so forth. And, and I – I've heard both sides of the story. I got friends and and with the Packers, and they, they, you know, they express their thoughts and ideas. And this is what it comes down to: Aaron Rodgers is 36 years old. How many more years yeah. is he realistically going to play? He's not a Tom Brady yeah. as far as his, his physique is concerned. I have no Take problem. Yeah, I, I have no problem with Brady going to Tampa Bay for a couple of reasons. Number one. Tom wants a new challenge. Number two, he's going to go to a warm climate. Number three, it's a franchise that rolled out the, the red carpet for him to, to come down there. It's a good franchise, Absolutely. contrary to what a lot of a lot of people believe. And, you know, Rodgers is not a breed. And, okay, so if Rodgers plays for another year and they don't go to the Super Bowl, so what's the next, what's the next plan? What's going to happen in the future? And, you know, Rodgers can't dictate to the Packers, this is the way it's going to be if you want me to play. That's not going to happen. And I, and I think some of his 
questionable antics are coming out right now because last year they were one game away and you know what? They didn't win. Yeah. And when you're playing football, winning is everything. I don't care what anybody says. There's no yep. award for nope. second place. Yep. And that's it. I, I remember, that's it. I remember sending you a text once of, uh, I saw somebody wearing a, you know, a, you know, Seattle Seahawks, you know, 2005 NFC champion jacket. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, don't yeah. brag about being the NFC champion. Don't brag about coming in second place and winning the Super Bowl. But you, you don't brag about yeah. that. I mean, exactly. you, you can hang the banners in your stadium, but, you know, I, you know, <laughs> you know, it's the gold yeah, medal. It's, full, or it's, it's foolish. Yeah, it's foolish. Yeah. I wouldn't want to go around and say, oh, man, I got, you know, uh, we, we got to one game before the Super Bowl. Well, big deal. You didn't get in the Super Bowl. And when you get in the Super Bowl, but, you better win it. You know, he's, I, he's only I, got, I got one say, Super Bowl. Yeah, in his entire career. Yeah, I got to say, though, Aaron Rodgers is – Green Bay has had such an amazing run of franchise quarterbacks from far right. blipping right, right into right. Rodgers. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, it is hard to come across that franchise quarterback. I mean, you know, there are probably yep. half a dozen teams in the NFL who've got, you know, marquee-style quarterbacks. The rest of them are always on the hunt. So, Rodgers right. – it, yep. it is is probably a starting quarterback at half the NFL teams. I mean, uh, and yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, my son today asked me how many teams haven't won a Super Bowl, and uh, I was like, most of them actually. And he's like, well, how many? How many of the Seahawks won? And I'm like, just one or one for three. Uh, yep. You begin to realize yep. how rare it is to even win one Super Bowl in today's NFL environment, where you know with free you know free agency, et cetera. So, I mean, you know, for a storied career like Rogers to get one ring, uh, you, you may think that's tough, and hey, we should have got more, but also it's hard to get just one. Yep. Brett Favre had just yep. one, you know. Yep. Uh, you know, Tom Brady's the anomaly, not the norm. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm happy with Russell Wilson at, at Seattle. He's a franchise quarterback. Uh, in the years before that, uh, you know, we had Holtler, we had uh, Matt Hasselback, who was an amazing quarterback, but not, you know, you know, not that marquee quarterback. Um, right, right. You know, right. we got him exactly. to Cole Holmgren from Green Bay. Uh, he was holding a clipboard for Brett Favre for, for many years, uh, but. I don't know, uh, you know, it, and it, it's tough because, you know, I, I'm hearing chatter from you and a couple other Green Bay fans about Rodgers, et cetera. And, you know, Rodgers might not be, you know, the way he was or, you know, but, you know, he's still an amazing quarterback. And Green, Green yep. Bay has been yep. spoiled with, you know, two decades of amazing Hall of Fame quarterbacks. So, uh, you know, I think, Tampa I think Bay – Excuse I think me, I what it say, is with uh, Rodgers you know, is, is his rough edges are getting tiring to yes. the the organization. And, again, when you push McCarthy out the way you did, I don't really think, you know, and McCarthy had faults too. I, I don't deny that. But when your star quarterback is saying, oh, you know, I need a new coach, I need a new guy, yada, 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 well, you know, okay, you got it. You didn't win. So what do you want to do now? You know, what's what's plan B, you know? That's what it comes yeah. down to. Uh, well, we but, got we got you know, we're waiting. Go ahead. I'm sorry. 
I yep. was going to say New England's about to find out what it's like not to have a marquee quarterback. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, uh, exactly. They're, they're about to drift into that uh, quagmire of mediocrity for a couple of years until they find yep. it. I, just, I, I don't yep. want to see Green Bay do the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, we're, uh, before we get, we'll go back on to our uh, script here, we were going to talk a little bit about the 1977 tap set. A very interesting <laughs> set. I remember it well. I remember buying packs of it. Um, I remember quasi-good co- collation. I went through my notes this afternoon trying to see if I wrote anything about it. I, didn't, I really didn't write anything about them. Uh, I know I bought packs. I've never bought a wax box of it. But I know there's a card in particular you like, Joe, in that set. And I'll <laughs> hand off to you on the <laughs> it is uh It is literally one of the only cards that I have memorized. Uh, you know, and it's the, uh, num- the 1977 tops number 177 uh, Steve Largent rookie card. Uh, and it, it's, it, it's, I've submitted, I've single-handedly skewed the uh, population reports for this course set. Uh, you know, if you look at the PW, or if you look at the PSA submissions, there are you know, it's almost there's almost four times as many cards submitted for this one card than any other card in the set. It's the number one submitted card. It's it's almost comical. I mean, somebody <laughs> told me once, it's like you you are the sole reason for it. It was, and they're right. It was back in 2005, 2006 when I was putting together a Steve Larger Master Set, and there was only three PSA tens in existence, and I was trying to get a PSA ten. And uh, so I was buying nines and resubmitting them. I was buying raws and submitting them. And uh, I just began to know, you know, know the card. Uh, and it's just, it's that card. And if there, there's a card, yeah. if, there's a, yeah. if there's a set that I know a lot about, it's the 48 Leafs. If there's one card that I know every nuance, it's that card. I, I know there's a little green dot on the, on the right side of his nose that's a print defect that keeps it out of a PSA 10 holder a lot. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty fascinating. Do you have, do you have any cards? I mean, is that what, what's, what's your card that you know, Bob, that you just, you know, every nuance about it. I mean, you know, well, I think, I think for me, it's, it's more some cards from the sixties. I know the 65 tall boy said, I studied that set over and over again and the Phillies from 65 to 67, especially the 67 set. Cause I was so fascinated with that yellow in in the set and the um, the brown on the back, it was just it was just a fascinating card set for me to continue to analyze and look at over and over again. Uh, but my tall boys are something I, I just I just love yeah. looking at. Oh, you know, and I and I you know again I probably memorized it back then. Now it's more memory for me than anything else. So it was a heck of a long time ago. But at the same yeah. time, when I look at that set in my binder, or I look at the duplicates I got on it, I said, man, oh, man, uh, it's just some great memories to it, to say the least. And, um, again, I vaguely remember in the Phillies, when I bought the Philly packs, the 65, 66, and 67 Philadelphia NFL cards, I always remembered their collation was very, very good, meaning that I would get different cards in different packs, and I had no conceptualization of what a set was, putting the set together. So I didn't know I mm-hmm. had, you know, 198 cards for the set. I had no clue. You know, I, just, you know, I just opened <laughs> the cards. I get the, and I just, you know, put them in the box. I had a, a shoe box. 
And I used to put them according to the year. And that's was the way I collected for many, many years until I figured out in the 70s that there were actual sets. And I had, you know, I had X amount of cards in the set. And to try to put it, you know, put the set together, which I didn't start really until the mid, mid 70s, I'd say 75 up. So uh, in your case, you know, you had a two-folded, two-folded, um, what's a good word to use? Uh, just a, a great segue into collecting with 77 times yeah. your favorite team and your favorite player. I mean, what's better than that? I mean, uh, that's great, you know. And, it, and it's, it's such a fun set. It's, yeah, it's, it's such a good set. I mean, the, the 78 and 79 card, I was too young. I didn't open, you know, 77 wax. Uh, 78 is the first wax I started opening, and then 79 is where I went heyday. So I, I, I know mm-hmm. the 79 set the best, and the largest card out of that 79 set is is, uh, is one of my favorites. But, uh, like, I'm not a big fat head. There's a lot of people who – you know, who have stats memorized, like, oh, yeah, that, that, that person threw for, you know, X and, you know, X and this many catches. I know Steve Largent broke Don Hudson's 99 touchdown, you know, you know, 99 yep. touchdown reception and a career record with 100. Uh, but other than that, I don't know many stats to Steve Largent, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know he broke the consecutive games with a catch uh, – uh, you know, record that was held by Harold Carmichael. But then, you know, he barely held these records because he retired the same year he set that 100-yard touchdown. Then Jerry Rice was right behind him, and two years later, Jerry Rice broke the record. So, yep, yep. I mean, it was, you know, I, uh, you know, we had a guest on a, a couple weeks ago who, you know, mentioned Steve Largent benefited from, you know, you know, stricter, you know, pass interference, you know, right, uh, right. You know, rules, rules, right? When he joined the NFL, he spent two years, you know, you know, bumping and grinding with Lester Hayes on the, you know, on the, uh, on, on the Oakland Raiders, you know, before, you know, they weren't allowed to bump him for five yards. And then, uh, yeah, you know, it's just, it's, you know, the pro- proliferation of the pass game in the NFL, uh, you know, it, yep. It's, yep. it's why people tune in. Uh, you know, so. And what, what I find interesting too, the evolution of the back of a of the football card when the explosion hit in 1989, I still like reading the back of the card. I wanted to see what stats were there, yeah. so on and so forth. And, I, and I, I pretty much always read the back of the cards. And then when the explosion hit, it's like the back of the card was just like a, um, you know, an afterthought. So we'll just throw anything we want on the back of the card and and, and be done with it. And I'm saying to myself. Yeah. Wow, you really you really eliminated fifty percent of the card by not having any statistics or having st- so ridiculous write ups in the back. It wasn't even funny. Yeah, and you know it, it really it really lost a lot of the glamour of the football cards. And, if, and you go into tops, and again for full sets, I stop at the, the last year, twenty fifteen. I look at that and I say to myself, man, the card backs really were somewhat consistent, but yet not every year was included, so on and so forth. You know, there was a, a combo stats or whatever the case may be. It, it was, it just, it took a lot of the, the glamour of the card and discarded it for a whole generation of collectors who would buy those cards. You know what I mean? You and I go yeah. back to where we had real stats on the card, and, you know, you read them, you studied them, you memorized them, so on and so forth. I mean, 
that, that was just part of, of, of collecting. It was you know? fun. It was a lot of fun flipping cards over and yeah, it reading about them, the, the little comic draws, you know, uh, drawings, et cetera. So. Yeah, it's, a, it's, no, it's really a, a, a part a part of our uh, our hobby that is is very overlooked and very uh, you know forgotten today. You know, I like to I like looking at the back of cards. And again, to me, the classic, the fifties and the sixties and seventies write ups were classic write ups, and you really had a lot of information, a lot of great um, you know facts, stats so on and so forth, in an era where you didn't have stats readily available by just typing on yeah. a computer and you're getting every con- conceivable statistic for any player known to mankind. So, so well, much different I mean, time I, frame. I said I wasn't a stat head, but I kind of am. I mean, there's, you know, it, it amazes me that, uh, you know, for example, they talk about Ray Nitschke and, you know, and, uh, you know, or, you know, who's the sack leader? But they didn't track sacks until – Later on, you know, and, you know, said there's so many stats that are missing. Uh, I mean, you know, who, who was it? Todd Tobias was talking once that he discovered that a record that Lance All, Allworth held was incorrect because he, you know, he, he missed, a, missed a pass or, you know, right. it's interesting right. that they, they just weren't tracking very well back then. So, right. No, it's, uh, right. Exactly. Yeah. Different time. Right. Different time. Just like I said, um, about a week ago, I'd longed for the NFL drafts and AFL drafts where they pulled out their street and smuts and picked guys off of that uh, instead yeah. of uh, what we have what we have today, the, the complete over analysis of a player to the point that I would I would venture to say probably their uh, statistical evidence and their analysis is probably if they're lucky, right, fifty percent of the time. It's that high, you know what I mean? So here's what it is, and that's it. And we'll move on. It's at this time. I'd like to welcome our special guest. He's a football and baseball historian. He's a member of the Professional Football Researchers Association. And he's also host of Beyond the Game, which is seen in White Plains, New York, and online. I'd like to welcome a good friend of mine to the show this evening, Mr. John Berperian. John, welcome to the show. Bob, thank you so much for that warm introduction. Uh, I'm looking forward to chatting with you and uh, and Joe as well. So uh, thank you, thank well, you. Well, thank you, John. Thanks for being thanks for coming on. John, thanks for being on. I, I want to point out to our audience, uh, John and I are switching roles now. Uh, I've I've been on John's <laughs> show several times. I've made the journey to White Plains and gone in the studio, and we've recorded. We've had some excellent shows. Um, and it, it's very much, uh, it's almost like a crossfire of football as Joe snaps questions to me and I, I respond as fast as possible. And we try to cram everything in a very limited amount of time. So we're kind of the same way here, only I cheat. I give you the questions in advance. So it's <laughs> something different. Okay. John. Well, I brought, I, brought some pic- I, I brought some pictures along, so just tell me, where do I point them to the camera? <laughs> 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 Uh, the, yeah. the, the infamous non-camera podcast that yeah. we don't have. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. I know that feeling. I got. I always got to figure out what I didn't bring to the last show. I got to bring to the next show, and I can. I can show it on your camera there. Joe, leading off, how did how did you get started in following football? 
Uh, I would have to say at the tender age of eight years old at the kitchen table, my mom would um, clip regularly the New York Daily News, uh, predict the college football scores, and uh, uh, I just noticed she really had a knack for that. She was a great football uh, lover, and uh, naturally, uh, you, you know, the hand that rocks the cradle uh, had some influence. Uh, her teams were Notre Dame, uh, coached by Ira Parsegian, and uh, the New York Football Giants, uh, because uh, she went to uh, Stanford High School over in Stanford, uh, Connecticut, and there was this guy there who uh, uh, went to a small college called Arnold and uh, wore the number 81 for uh, the Giants. So that's uh, why she loved Big Blue. And my dad was uh, also gave me some exposure to football. Uh, he was a, a soccer player. That's the sport I played in high school. But uh, uh, as to spectating and going to games, he was in the commercial carpeting uh, industry. And one of the early corporations that embraced sports marketing was Allied Chemical, one of his uh, mm -hmm. suppliers. So uh, it was not uncommon to have the, I don't know, Monday, they, a Monday, Monday luncheon where the football players would come and the uh, suits from the industry would meet and greet them and uh, uh, have, um, you know, uh, break bread and uh, listen to the latest as to what happened on the gridiron on Sunday. So uh, mm -hmm. I was, like I said, eight years old, nine years old, ten years old, mature kid, because I wore my Sunday school uh, outfit going to these events with my dad. <laughs> and it was not till I was an adult with a house and my wife telling me, you know, you got to clean up some of the stuff in your office. And I went through, and I never, I didn't even realize, I had signed um, uh, uh, menus, and I was started looking at the names, and I saw. Howard Cosell, Joe Namath, as you know, as a kid, wow. a guy in oh, a suit man. signing paper, you you don't you don't identify it readily. You do re recognize it when you see a a jersey and the number and the helmet and and the action on Sunday. But uh, I was uh, blown away at some of the uh, uh, players that were at these wow. uh, uh, events. So wow. um, that's how I got hooked onto football, uh, and uh, that's. That's the long and short of it. Now, for uh, for our audience, and Joe, I'm going to put you on the spot. Who was number 81 for the blue? Do you know? Oh, uh, Andy. Oh, uh, Andy Rubastelli. No, I'm asking. Is, uh, yeah. I'm asking Joe. I'm putting Joe oh. under the under. Oh, Joe on the spot. Oh, I thought you said Joe. Oh. No, no, no. no. Oh. It was obviously obviously Andy Rubastelli. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. You gotta be, you gotta be prepared. I would for, not have known. quizzes that I chose. John, thank you, thank you, yep. John. I appreciate that. That's pretty cool. You name dropped some pretty good names in there. Uh, I've spent the last couple of days just uh, watching some of your shows. It's amazing, and uh, thank you for doing it. How, how did? Uh, I think the the earliest. Uh, date I saw for a show was 1996. 
but can you that's, can you give us a little bit of background on you know uh, how you got started beyond the game? Okay, yeah, uh, the uh, the program actually started in uh, March of 2002. I contacted a friend of mine oh. by the name of Harry Stein. Uh, he's um, an author of several uh, books as well as writing for Playboy um, and uh, some other uh, periodicals. But he had a, a baseball fiction book called Hoopla. And the idea behind, behind uh, Beyond the Game was it was supposed to be a baseball-themed uh, program focusing on all the baseball uh, activities and history within the metropolitan New York City area. And by the fifth uh, show, uh, fifth taping, uh, I, I realized, you know, uh, I don't have to just stick to, like, a Harry Stein and, and talking to him about Hoopla and the 1919 Black Sox scandal, uh, and I, don't, I can expand it into other sports. And uh, that's how we, I started getting into uh, football uh, and other uh, athletic endeavors. Yeah, I noticed quite a few of your, uh, you know, you had a, a swath of guests from Olympic, you know, medalists, baseball, football. I mean, it was just, it's it's such a good good swath of guests. Yeah, well, you know, what it what's great for those folks from the sports world is um, the theme of Beyond the Game is yeah we talk sports uh, and allow a segue in for the uh, the uh, athlete, the coach. Uh, or you know the former player, what do you do if you're doing something now? Whether it be a, a business endeavor, whether it be a charity, it allows them to uh, talk about it. Uh, I mean, uh, Mo, um, a good example is Tim Flannery, who played for the San Diego Padres. He was able to talk about his uh, country music uh, albums and the like. Mm-hmm. And with somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, I'll tell you, I, I was blown away. Uh, I was going through, a, since there's so many authors, you know, publishers send me stuff, and a literary publisher sent me uh, this information about a poet, and I was surprised to see who it was. Called up the agent uh, for the literary um, publisher, said I'd be interested in interviewing him, explained the concept of the show, and... Uh, I put the phone in the cradle. Next thing I know, the the phone is ringing. I pick it up, and this guy he used to co- he coached in the CFL, and he brought a uh, former AFL team now in the AFC uh, to the Super Bowl four times. And in an alternate wow. universe, they would have won four times. I had Marv Levy on the phone asking me, "Hey, John, what is this beyond the game all about? And it's not just sports, and uh, you know." So we talked about his book, uh, It's Time for a Rhyme, but uh, also when I had him on, yeah, there were a few questions about Thurman Thomas, uh, Jim Kelly, uh, and the Bills, and uh, also, um, you know, what it's like coaching uh, up in Montreal. So uh, it's allowed me a lot lot of great opportunities to uh, get the oral history of uh, the gridiron game. Wow. Yeah, that's that's definitely definitely true with with the uh, guests that you have on, and you have such a wide variety of guests, and not and not in and in all sports, but in particular, looking at the guests that you had in football over the years, and I'm honored that you asked me to be on several times, and I, I enjoyed it, enjoyed immensely uh, being on the show because it's, to me, it's 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 bringing to light something that 
may not be known to the general public watching it at the same time. And I know a lot of people watch shows that, you know, they may not have a lot of interest in, but at the same time, they watch it and say, hey, this, this is something interesting. I, I'm going to watch this again. I never knew such and such about such and such a person, so on and so forth. So along those same lines, John, how do you go about getting guests for your show? Uh, I'm I'm not shy. I'll I'll cold I'll cold call someone. Uh, I'm I'm shocked at the number of uh, football uh, former uh, players from the 70s and 80s, 60s who are um, mm-hmm. out there, and their their uh, information as to home phones and stuff is is, yeah. is public knowledge. They're they're in the right. book. I mean, I literally. Uh, one of my favorite interviews that just happened this year, uh, because the team is moving to Vegas, I wanted to get an Oakland Raider on, and um, I was able to pick up the phone and get a hold of Pete Banaszak. And uh, <laughs> we had a, a, a grand time. Yeah, I talked to him about the Heidi, uh, uh, the Heidi game, the Holy Roller. But after the interview... He sh- he shared with me that you know John you're you're not like most sports reporters and what he meant by that was and again this is the sort of the theme of Beyond the Game I actually peppered him questions about his interscholastic athletic achievements you know in high school in in Wisconsin he, he was the state uh, champion for discus. Uh, and yep, uh, yep. we, you know, we we don't think of pa- Pete Benazak, the the man that uh, John Madden relied upon to get the tough yardage in the three and one, three and two uh, situations as a mm-hmm. uh, a track uh, star, and uh, that's something he enjoyed talking about. So that's that's the whole thing that you know, some of these um, football players uh, or, or sports athletes are used to just just being left in a box and my my thinking is well let's go beyond the box let's let's talk about you know uh, some other things um so that's it's and i think word of mouth is another way of getting um getting folks onto the show and uh mm-hmm. you know the, the the sports world universe is small and people do talk uh here's a pr- and it's also great when a guest uh, is uh, is a producer for me. I mean, uh, Upton Bell, uh, Burt yep. Bell's yep. son, who's uh, I had him on the show. Uh, Upton, I now consider a friend because he calls me <laughs> whenever he wants to let me know something that has happened on Sunday, and he wants to give me a a quick assessment. I mean. Uh, after the early uh, two games that are played on Sunday, it's not unusual around seven o'clock. I get a, a phone call from Upton, but the point of that, <laughs> the story is that I, on one of those calls where we, I was just lamenting to him that you know this guy R. D. Rosen, I know he's written this book on Sid Luckman, and I, for the life of me, his website is down. It, it doesn't look like he's got anybody picking it up. And like Upton said to me, John. I saw Sid Luckman play, and apparently, I guess uh, Upton also had uh, given some information about Luckman to R. D. Rosen. Next thing I know, R. D. Rosen was a guest on Beyond the Game. So um, that's that's how wow. I go about it: cold calling, or you know, word of mouth. And if you treat people right, and 
and all uh, you know your reputation uh, you know is able to produce stuff. But um, that's great. Yeah. Yep. Brought up some great yep. stuff. For, for me, I I name drop Bob Swick, and that opens a lot of doors. People don't know who I am. Well, you know what? That Gridiron Greats magazine. I have to say, I I, I do get a I, I do enjoy it because uh, I, I still um, I collect stuff, and I'm I'm also intrigued by seeing what other people uh, want to uh, put in their sports war room and, and it gives me a good handle on on stuff and uh you know remembering the past is also a good thing because um yeah you know uh, uh f- football uh yeah the equipment has changed but some of the concepts and tactics uh, haven't so uh it's interesting to see and it sort of sparked um, my uh interest with taking a look back at the 60s and, uh, 19, 1960s, that is, and I'm beginning to think that some of the stuff, and you guys were talking about it earlier, uh, what the receivers and defensive backs were doing, there was a lot of hand-to-hand combat that was A-OK and a lot of yep. uh, stuff mm-hmm. that probably would draw a flag today that, uh, you know, it makes me wonder what would be, what are the right way of looking at stats now versus then. So, um, but uh, yeah, anyhow... Yeah. Yep. No, it, and it's interesting what you brought up about just asking. Probably about a, a year and change ago, I have a, a, a friend who's a football collector but also has a real estate podcast. And I asked him, you know, how he got his guests. And he's like, think of the the best people in the industry, the people that you think are untouchable, and then just work your way up to it. You know, cause, you know maybe, maybe you – watch out for that backing up truck. Uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe you, you know, you know an assistant. Maybe you know a friend. Whatever it is, but at, at some point you can whittle it away, and uh, it was pretty interesting. And right after that, Bob and I talked, and we we just came up with some some big lists, uh, and we started started I started dialing for dollars, and for better or worse, some of some of them don't uh, aren't very articulate, you know, and charismatic on shows. But for yeah. better or worse, we started getting some, you know, some industry guests, but. You know, speaking yep. of guests, I, mean, I, I watched a couple shows. Like you, you had a show where you had like Lawrence Taylor on, uh, of all things. Uh, actually, is- uh, um, Harry Carson. Uh, oh, uh, oh, I've done a show with Dave Faulkner, who wrote a book on LT. But uh, yeah, Harry Carson was the uh, the giant who who came in. Yeah. Oh God. Um, or they. <laughs> or the. I may have. No, no, no. The studio. Maybe I better go back and check the website. The studio may have switched t- tit- uh, titles because uh, the LT was uh, <laughs> was Dave uh, Faulkner and but Harry Carson was uh, was a guest. I'm sorry. So I. I yeah. I didn't mean. Now there was joke. there wasn't a link to that one. I was going off of and it was an old uh, old picture, so it looked like LT. Uh, yeah. But I, I, I don't know. It just you you. Uh, you know who do you who do you think are the best guests you've had on and you know and, and you know between Bob and I some of our favorite guests haven't been big name people they've been people who can tell a story and uh, I mean and I, I noticed you haven't had Steve Largent on your show so I assume that's your white whale that you're working up to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll t- I'll tell you. <laughs> I, I was expecting this, uh, uh, Joe, but uh, I'll, I'll share with you this. As to writing, I, I have to say uh, that when, when you go to Scribner's for their Sports Encyclopedia of American Lives uh, and you look up the, the uh, 
bio entry for Steve Largent, I, I'm the author of that chapter in that encyclopedia, uh, and it does have my byline in it. So, yeah, that was one of the first football um, uh, writings that I, uh, I ever did and it got published. Um, a lot of baseball stuff, but I'm now moving over to more uh, football writing. But um, the, the best guest, oh, wow, I think you're absolutely right. Some of the authors, uh, they can really – give you so much information. Uh, uh, this is probably uh, two, two that come to mind immediately is uh, uh, Chris Serb, who did a book recently, uh, uh, a recent book, a recent release called War in Football, and it focuses on that time period around uh, the World War I era and uh, military service, football teams and the like. And then another gent who wrote a book on the pack is back. Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm shamelessly uh, capitulating to Bob uh, here, but uh, Joe Zagorski's book on the Packers, yep, yep, uh, that yeah. was a lot of nifty stuff uh, in it. So, wow. But, but yeah, I've done, to, you know, the other. The... Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go no, I was I was just gonna I was gonna say I I know Joe's got a book out on the Kansas City Chief uh, Willie Lanier and, and as an AFL guy I'm looking forward to to see uh, to reading that. Um, yeah, we had Joe. But, uh, we had Joe as a guest on the show. He was very interesting with his insight uh, on all his books. It was, it was very very interesting to say the least. Very cool guy. Very cool. Yeah. But but also, uh, I've done a number of location shoots. Uh, we've been able to get out of the studio, and I was I was thinking, you know, we, we've uh, the show's gone to NFL Films, and, and uh, we were at Giant Stadium for a, uh, I want to say a UFL game. Uh, it was um, I know that I was standing on the sidelines next to Denzel Washington, and the Sacramento team. The running back who was coming in uh, on third downs was John David Washington, who, as we all know, has left the football world and has gone into acting and was uh, the star in uh, Black Klansman. But uh, mm-hmm. I've, I've been able to uh, cover w- women's football. I went to a New York Sharks uh, practice in uh, one of the five boroughs in New York City. We, we t- did a show connected to that. Also in my home uh, city last year, there was an arena football team uh, and had the owner come into the studio. And, of course, we naturally were over at the uh, Westchester County Center uh, capturing content and interviewing fans and, and some of the football action that was going on uh, there. Uh, so it's just been one thing uh, after another just being blessed. Uh, I, I think another show, I don't know if it's on the uh, website because we switched over from video to uh, computer and DVDs and the like, but one I did in 2009 was with TEST. That's an organization based in New Jersey, and they essentially prep your college athlete to do well at the Combine, to up their no uh, draft no. uh, visibility, and to uh, – uh, fellows came in from Florida Atlantic. They were both um, hoping to be the first uh, ever drafted uh, by uh, by an NFL club from that school, uh, Franz Joseph and Gervonta Jackson. And uh, huh. they did not get drafted. However, they did get signed as free agents. Uh, Franz 
Joseph got uh, signed by the Raiders, uh, and uh, Gervonta, uh, which uh, <laughs> led to an interesting thing off camera because I, I, I before we went on, I, I turned to him and I, I said, how do I pronounce your first name? And both guys started <laughs> cracking up saying, I, I, we knew it. You were going to ask him that. You were going to ask him that before the red light came on. So, uh, but uh, he, he, he went to the Eagles. No stretch, no surprise there because actually his cousin was a starting offensive lineman on the Eagles at that time. So, he, uh, oh, wow. so they, they were hoping, for, I guess, for some uh, skill set to you know, run in the family there. So um, that that was uh, pretty much an interesting experience. Uh, talking with these guys on the eve of the draft sort of relates earlier what you guys are talking about in the way of w- the virtual draft we just saw. But you know yeah. what was it yeah. like, and all the preparation that they went into to just raise their stock to um, hopefully get um, uh, tapped by uh, one of the 32 teams. Yeah. Did he get signed uh, on uh, as a free agent? Well, well, I can tell you, Joseph, Joseph was Franz was the more interesting uh, uh, angle because actually he uh, he uh, uh, was on a um, I want to say something like a hard knocks. He uh, was very frank and honest with the Dolphins and the Cowboys. They showed him working out with those teams and being asked the question because he was tested positive for uh, a substance which is now legal in many mm-hmm. of uh, the states of, the, uh, of America. And just being asked that question over and over again, it's like, good golly. Uh, uh, and he was honest. Wow. Uh, he did go with the Raiders, which made some sense to me that, you know, Al Davis would be like, hey, just win, baby. Uh, and uh, did – uh, did end up in the CFL for um, a season and a half with another team uh, with them. So, in other words, his uh, Raider stint was not full, not a full season, uh, but I do know that he moved up to up north and played Canadian nice. football. Oh. Jen, are, do you have any new articles or books, uh, ideas for your uh, future writing? And, and uh, off script just a bit. I think people don't realize the sheer amount of football action and history that's generated from yeah. the tri-state area being New Jersey, New York, and Connecticut. Uh, it's, a, it's an amazing history if you really look at it and really think about it. And I, and I know, you know, living in Connecticut, I have a lot of football history here. And, and 90 miles down the road to Manhattan, I got the five boroughs there and their history. And then, you know, pop over the bridge to the Meadowlands over there. So it's a pretty it's a it's a pretty intensive area for for football history and football totally. stories and so on and so forth. It's just it's amazing. So and you're in the middle of it there in White Plains, uh, you know, close yeah. enough to the boroughs and close enough to the other two states also at the same time. So it's very interesting. But getting back, are you working on any articles? Or I know you you did uh, an article for us uh, a few issues back. What yeah, anything I... uh, coming up? Anything coming up? Uh, for for uh, right now, uh, doing uh, book reviews for BoxScoreNews.com. I just finished one that's uh, posted okay. up on my uh, web page there called uh, Blanton's Browns. That's done by Roger Gordon, who was also a guest on the show. 
Uh, and for myself, uh, I, um, I'm just waiting for uh, McFarland Press to release another PFR, uh, PFRA great team series book. Uh, I was involved with the 66 uh, Packers book, wrote the Bart right. Star right. uh, chapter, the 58 Colts. I wrote the uh, uh, and got to correspond with Raymond uh, Berry. And uh, mm-hmm. now just waiting for the 51 Rams book to be released, which looks like June of 2021. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, I handled the uh, Rams logo and uniform design chapter, as well as naturally Andy Rubastelli. So that was a yep. that. And what I hope to do, and my understanding is, and I'm, I don't believe I'm letting out any state secrets, the next uh, great team uh, project may very well be. Uh, the 1964 Buffalo Bills, and wow. uh, I, I, I've already got dibs on the Mad Bomber, as well as uh, <laughs> the Dancing Bear, who was another guest on my show, Ron McDowell, who played for the uh, Bills, as well as uh, George Allen's uh, Over the Hill Gang, Washington Redskins, and yep. um, that's, uh, that's, that's the writing so far. But you're absolutely right, Bob. A lot of history here. Uh, I'm, uh, the uh, county government is going to spend $24 million in up, uh, fixing up Memorial Field in Mount Vernon, New York. Why is that important to football uh, fans? Well, we got to remember back again, we go back to the 60s, that field was the home for uh, – <laughs> I'm going to blank. I'm blanking out as to the name, but they were a minor league affiliate to the New York Giants. And right. uh, that minor league club who played at Memorial Field uh, had a running back, another uh, guest on the show who strictly talked about the ice bowl, but Chuck Mercine uh, played right. on that field for the oh. minor league team. Uh, in New York, I think I want to call them the New York Bulls. I have to, I have to Google yeah. that. Uh, so, you know. Or maybe Joe would well. know it even. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 good for a certain swath of history, and uh, and then other than that, if it's uh, yeah, it's it's uh, yeah yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, the Chicago Bears uh, with the Red Grange and you know kind of Jim Thorpe are where I specialized in. I'm starting to I just watched a bunch of documentaries on the uh, on the the Green Bay Packers that that uh, somebody posted up that was pretty fascinating. But uh, well, you've, you we've mentioned quite a few sports. I mean, you know, like I said, I saw an, an Olympic. You know, uh, you know, an Olympian, you know, baseball on your, uh, uh, you know, on your show, uh, and then obviously you, you've evolved into the greatest, you know, game football. Uh, yeah. Do you collect anything? I mean, Bob and I are both collectors. Uh, our our show is kind of a collector show. You know. Uh, yeah, I I, I had uh, as a youngster collected a, a lot of stuff, and then uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, I I got to about high school age senior and going into college at that point in time all of a sudden i took a real uh, an asthma uh, just a, a, an aversion to sports in general and uh, uh you know big big involved with politics and government and and girls so it was like hey let's get rid of this stuff so now uh, what i'm collecting is i'm trying to backtrack uh, i had at one point in time a fran tarkington uh, football board game that I used to play as a kid, uh, but that was one of the items that got you know uh, booted out of here, and 
and now I study eBay uh, religiously and, and look for stuff that I had and uh, was able to garner the uh, Vince Lombardi uh, football game, which was the spinoff from the Fran Tarkenton. So th- that's essentially where I'm at. And also I do have uh, obtained photographs. And then, like I say, uh, since there's so many players still out there, they may not be yeah. – um, able to commute uh, to be articulate on camera where they don't want it where they would want to avoid that but nothing stops them from you know taking a look looking at a, a, a nice request letter as well as maybe peppered with a few questions and you know a correspondence can strike up and they might sign sign it uh, sign the photo return it, and uh, uh, you know I I've experienced that not only in football but in baseball as well. To, to ask uh, yeah. stuff, so I'm I'm getting these signed photographs, but I'm also getting uh, uh, a piece of um, history answered to me. Oh, most yeah, definitely. And it, it is, so many older players still appreciate hearing from fans as compared to yeah. the younger players or newer players, and it's just very heartwarming, especially when I when I know. You reach out to an older player, he's not forgotten, and he really appreciates the fan base, and they do their darndest to try to sign sign the, um, you know, whatever you send them, a card or a photo or whatever it may be. And um, mm-hmm. it, it's it's great preserving their history, and their history needs to be preserved, to say the least. So that's a great collectible. Yeah. I don't care, you know, and it's priceless as far as I'm concerned. You can't put a value yeah. on it in any way, shape, yeah. or form. Yeah. It's truly, truly amazing. You know, the one thing with the magazine, just to work with Iron Grace magazine, and we have several former players who read the magazine, and I do correspond with some of them, and they prefer keeping their identities um, from the public because they, they enjoy their privacy. So, And I respect that. I have no problem with that. We've also had some players who've had a cup of coffee in the NFL who read the magazine, and they, they enjoy you know, being so being remembered for whatever they have. And again, that whole part of our game is so very, very important to, to keep. And I, and that's one thing I always said with the magazine. I know John and I, we've talked about it, and Joe and I have talked about it over the years. You know, you got to preserve the history of the game. If you're not going to preserve the history of the game, there won't be any game for the future and future generations. And that's very important. Right. And John, with what you do with your show, is just that. You're, you're, you know, calling older players, uh, so on and so forth. It's it, it's it's you know they love to talk they and they want to be heard and it's true you're not a true sports person interviewing them being that you know well why'd you do this uh, why'd you hold out for this uh, you know what happened in the locker right. room here so, you know there, there's a lot more to to their lives and to the game than just that and I think that's what's yep. lost with sports reporting today that's why it's a it, it's a chore for me to watch a sportscast today it, it really is yeah. I mean. The draft is a good example. I turned it on. I couldn't take it after about five, ten minutes. I shut it off. I put it back on ten, fifteen minutes later. Okay, the only thing I hit upon was Belichick's dog, which I thought was probably the highlight of the whole, the whole, uh, the draft. Watching him and seeing the dog behind the. I thought that was great. It really did. It was amazing. John, we're, we're yeah. almost out of time. I I want to ask uh, website information for the show and any website information on you. Oh, to, to uh, see the uh, program uh, Beyond the Game, one only has to go to wpcommunitymedia.org. Uh, 
Uh, it is a municipal-run studio, so I would not have selected a long, lengthy name like that, but WP, which stands for White Plains, <laughs> communitymedia.org. So it's WPcommunitymedia.org, and there's an entire web page regarding Beyond the Game. And uh, most of the uh, shows are posted up there. I have 5,000 episodes in the can, so there's just so much oh. a computer can take. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. We only got we only got like a hundred and uh, I think this is the hundred and eighth podcast, so we're way behind. We gotta get we gotta get caught yeah. up. John, thank you for taking time. Thank you for taking time. Thank you. No, thank you. And uh being on the other side this time and uh, I promise you I'll be back up there for another show. I just gotta figure out what to bring this time that's different than the other shows and I'm sure I can dig something out of the archives here. John Perperian. Yeah. John, thank you for being on the show this year. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, thank you. All right, we're almost out of time. We're going to go into our two-minute warning and wrap up on the show. Joe, I'm going to hand off to you. What did you pick up on tonight's show? What a great guy. Seriously, what a great guy. Uh, The whole time I was doing that, I was thinking about you being on his show. And Does he call you the captain, or how does he refer to you as? No, we, we're on first name basis, Jan, Jan and Bob, so that's all right. Oh, wow. There's only a few people that call me the captain. Yeah, Remember I, that. I, so. I can aspire someday <laughs> to be on a first name basis with you, Bob. So. <laughs> no, true. what a great Very guy. I, I really enjoyed a couple of his shows that I watched. Uh, just uh, He's a you know, great interviewer, very lively, just a great guest. You know, thank you for bringing him on, Bob. Yeah, it's a, it's a great it's a it's fun being on his show. I, I leave the studio and um, you know we we head back home. Brenda normally comes up with me and she goes shopping at there's a Macy's Plaza across the street. This last time that she came up, we, uh, <laughs> she just she just stayed there in uh, in the studio listening. But anyways, uh, we talk about the show on the way back and we we stop at dinner somewhere before we get back uh, home here in Wallingford. So it's a, it's a nice break. I like being a, on the air like that too. It's, it, I can, you know, show some stuff and uh, great questions, John. It's like I said, it's like a rapid fire, you know, back and forth uh, questions and answers, and it, it's fun. It's a it's a fun show to do, and I appreciate it. And I, like I said, and he does preserve the history of the game with his guests, and that's what I like seeing. I, I want to. Yeah. Uh, well, I got like about sixty five, about about a minute and a half here. Um, have you heard anything more with what's going on with the national in Atlantic city at the end of July? Cause I'm hearing it does not sound like it's going to be going on. Have you heard anything about it one way or the other, Joe? Ditto via other chat rooms. I heard it's not going on. Uh, just, yeah. just, and it's mostly coming from dealers who are, you know, dealers who are not hearing from the national committee, you know, whereas normally right now they'd be reaching right, out right. talking about you know, setups. So the lack of right. communication is 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 the information here. Yeah, my gut my gut feeling it will be canceled and they will postpone it. And if like Comic Con, I know got uh, postponed till twenty twenty one, and I would not yeah. I would not doubt that they should. And this is just my opinion. They should just cancel for twenty twenty, and then just go with uh, next July twenty twenty one wherever it's going to be. And you know, you just lost a year. There's not much to do about it. Um, I can't. Yeah. I just can't see it going off one way or the other. You know, I just I don't see even in even in the fall. I can't see it 
uh, you know, first of August, we should have a uh, gathering of football collectors at the Wallingford, Connecticut compound. <laughs> yeah, I can I could section off six feet in the yard and set up chairs <laughs> everywhere, and I'll, I'll I'll have my megaphone and uh, I'll be shouting out. <laughs> and uh, I, I just got to figure out how I can I can uh, lay the food out so everybody can eat afterwards or whatever. Unbelievable. Anyways. We're almost out of time. Um, thanks for listening, Joe. Thanks for being on. John, thanks for being on. Appreciate it. We'll be back hopefully in a week or so with another uh, episode of Good Iron Great Podcast. In the interim, don't forget our latest issue. Issue number 68 is out and available. If you're not a subscriber, check out our website at gridirongreatsmagazine.com. Until that time, thanks for listening. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.